Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? This week, we watched Goodfellas. Goodfellas. The story of Henry Hill and his life through the teen years into the years of mafia, covering his relationship with his wife Karen Hill and his mob partners Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito in the Italian-American crime syndicate. Why have you never seen this movie? Uh, well, it's a hard R. Yes. They say the F word a lot. You were six when it came out. There's that. (laughs) I don't know. This is probably one my dad would have wanted to see. So I could see my parents having seen this, but it's, you know, wouldn't play on TV. My my parents weren't big on owning films unless they were like kids movies. Yeah. Um, So it's, you know, it's not one they would have bought. And funny enough, so this is a movie that doesn't get shown on television. I think that's because that there's very few scenes that you could sort of edit around. I mean, you could drop all the F-bombs, but... Even then. Like, you kind of lose some of the heat of some of the, 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 the scenes if you do that. And it is, it is relatively violent. So this isn't a great one to be showing on a Saturday afternoon or even and, a Saturday evening. And fun point of trivia, they took... It was either 10 cuts or 10 minutes, but it took a lot to -hmm. get it to an R. Yeah. Um, And, and honestly, and that's, that's telling of the time, but I don't think it was so much the language as the violence. Yeah, I could see that, which is kind of funny considering some of the other films we've seen, but, um, but then, you know, context of time and what, what the MPAA was looking for and wasn't at the time. And I think it's just one of those ones we just hadn't gotten to yet. Like, I hadn't seen Godfather until we watched it in college. Right. And this has always been one on my list of, like, you know, I, that's one of, I, I like gangster movies. Right. Um, so it's one I was like, oh, I should see that. And I just never got to it. And since we didn't own it, it was kind of like, whatever. And I'll be fair, I didn't see this until college, maybe even later. Um, I, know I, I know I saw it when it, we, I, we still had Netflix discs. So it had yeah. to have been sometime around college or near the end. But I saw this relatively recently um, in mine. Um, I mean, this is a whirlwind of a movie. Yeah. Like, just, just to go with the tone. It it flies past. For a two and a half hour movie, it... No, it doesn't. It doesn't for you? Um, the way he's chosen... To tell the story is very stunted. Okay. Um, there's, uh, it's told as a flashback in the beginning to Henry Hill's beginning years. Yeah. His teenage years. Um, with a lot of voiceover. And I'm fine with the voiceover. But it's in these weird segments. Yeah. And it doesn't flow great. Well, we'll get to that. But the thing I want to mm-hmm. start with is this is based on a true story. Yes. And it's based on a real-life mobster, Henry Hill, mm-hmm. um, who, I mean, the short of it is that everything in this movie follows his life pretty accurately. Mm-hmm. They change the names of Tommy DeVito and Jimmy Conway. Mm-hmm. They just changed their last names. Yeah. And, and Polly, the mob boss. Yeah. But all of these were actual people in the mm-hmm. Lucchese crime family. He was part of that. Um, they hint at things like the Lufthansa heist. They talk no, about. They fully talk about. They that talk one. about it, but they don't show it. No, they don't. Which I think was smart because you don't need it. No, you don't need that sequence because that's not the story they're telling. And they briefly mention a point shaving scandal, which is a thirty for thirty documentary in and of itself. Oh, we should watch that. Yeah, one. there was a. I mean, basically, the they convinced games. they convinced a college player to take a dive in a game and. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people to join in. And Henry Hill is part of that documentary. I'm not a big sports person, but those 30 for 30 documentaries are pretty good. All, almost all of them to a T. And there's one for anything you might be interested in. Any subject or, or 
issue, mm -hmm. they've got him out there. And then they've just expanded out the universe of what they've done. Um, those are the two big things for him mm -hmm. that they don't really get into. And then the thing that they don't talk about, and this is because it all happened after the movie came out, yeah. is what happened after Witness Protection. I think the funniest thing is they moved him five different times. Mm -hmm. And at one point, he used to throw backyard barbecues. Yeah. And at one point, just got drunk enough to let it slip that, uh, oh yeah, and I'm Henry Hill, I'm a former mob boss, and the the federal marshals got so pissed off because they had to relocate him again. So after that, plus numerous drug convictions, he got kicked out of federal witness protection. Yeah, he ended up in jail for a different crime that he was absolved, like he was absolved from the stuff in the movie because he turned everybody in. Right. And so then he did some other stupid shit, and so then he didn't yeah. go to jail. And even then, after that, for the next 20 years, horrible alcoholic and a drug addict, and just kept getting busted for drug busts. Has he died? Yes. He passed away in 2012. Okay. And then um, Tommy... And live. And the thing is, he lived off of this for oh, decades. Yeah. Henry Hill went on the Howard Stern show constantly oh. talking about it. Like, he, this was his bread and butter for the rest of his life. Is Tommy dead? I mean, yeah, Tommy Tommy dies in the movie, and the Tommy DeVito character got killed because of killing the the mob boss guy. No, 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 I meant... Um, Jimmy? Jimmy, James, yes. Jim, James, Robert De Niro's I character. believe that character is... I, I, I can't remember offhand. I believe he's dead. He got basically life in prison. Yeah, he got life. He was... Like, I remember it said he wasn't eligible for parole until 2005 when he would have been 78. So I don't know if he's since died or what. Yeah, well, he, he got 20 years for the point shaving scandal. Mm -hmm. And then he got life for a murder. Yeah. So he, at All that point, murders, that wasn't coming out. Um, he got later convicted on those two. And then the the mob boss, Paul Paul Cicero. Yeah, he definitely um, died in prison. They, they mentioned that in the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, and then he, and then the thing was, the only other thing, Henry Hill and his wife, it says they separated at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. They actually stayed together for a while, but they divorced later on in the 2010s. Oh, wow. They finally got divorced. She made it all the way through his prison stint, She too. stuck through it. Um. That woman deserves a medal. <laughs> um. So, I mean, it, colorful character, to say the least. For sure. Um. A little bit less shiny than they portray him in the movie, but mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Um, okay, so that moves us into Martin Scorsese. Yep. Which I think is important to talk about two things. First of all, when this movie got made. Okay. Um, Raging Bull, there's like three movies for me of Martin Scorsese's that are m just absolutely perfect must-sees, and for each one of them he got robbed for an Oscar, mm -hmm. um, at least on two of them. Mm -hmm. There's Taxi Driver from 1976. Which I've never seen, but is on our list soon. There's Raging Bull. I've also never seen that. And that one will be on our list eventually. Yep. Um, and then after Raging Bull, he kind of went through... He made some really good movies in the 80s, mm -hmm. but that was sort of his low period. Mm -hmm. So he wound up doing like a sequel to... The Hustler with Paul Newman called The Color of Money with mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. He did The King of Comedy, which is also a really great movie and a really different movie for Robert De Niro. Mm. Um, he did The Last Temptation of Christ. And at the time he was doing Last Temptation of Christ, he was working on making, they were calling it Wise Guys because the name of the book that Nick, oh, yeah. that this is based on is called is Wise, Wise Guys. Guys. But guy. by the time he postponed it to do Last Temptation... And by the time they got around to it, the show Wise Guy had come out, another movie had come out, so they changed it to Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. In reference to the line from the movie of, yeah. we were, you know, you were a good fella. Um, so, you talk about things feeling stunted. Mm -hmm. That's on purpose. Scorsese talked about, when he filmed this movie, the narration, like the whole first few minutes of the movie starting in the middle having narration breaking mm -hmm. apart and talking directly to the camera mm -hmm. came from Jules and Jim from 1962 and he basically used every trick from the French New Wave and dumped it into this movie mm -hmm. the whole point for him he said I almost wanted to make a two and a half hour trailer I mm -hmm. wanted to move so fast 
that you felt the rush and excitement of what it was like for these guys to be in the mob. Okay. So all of the stuff he's doing, the sweeping movement of the camera, the jerkiness, the narration. He didn't do any of that. I don't I don't see any sweeping camera moves. I mean, the narration is fine. I don't have any problem with that. I really feel like this pro- this movie gets gunked up in the editing. Well, and and the thing is, that's all done. That was all done intentionally. I think it was done poorly. Okay, because I'm I'm I I totally get what he's trying to do. I do. I get I get that. I don't think his execution is very good. And some of that is okay. So when did taxi did taxi driver raging bull come out before this or after? Oh, before this. Okay, those were relatively smaller films, though. Correct. This is the biggest budget he had ever had for a movie. That's and the, his problem. And the funny thing is, he had $25 million. This is a learning problem. Well, the Gro- weird... Growing pains. The weird part about it is, so he had $25 million to make this movie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say growing pains. He'd been making movies for 30 years when he got to this. Um, but um, the weird part is, that's a that was a middle-of-the-road budget in 1990. No, I agree. Like, he, he had the biggest budget he'd ever had, and mm-hmm. it still wasn't that big. I think... This is more of an ensemble movie. I, mean, I haven't seen the other ones. But having seen more of his recent work. Yeah. And those are, like, I have very few complaints about any of those films. I can see, this was your starting point. I can see where you've ended up. Again, I think that's just weird because this was 30 years into his career. <laughs> He's had an amazing, awesome career. I, here's what I will. Here's what I will say, and mm-hmm. I and I can see where you're going with this. The '70s movies he made were in that whole g- crew with uh, Coppola was more operatic and sweeping, but like yes. he was part of this crew that learned how to make movies with Roger Corman and did it on a budget and had no money and had to figure out how am I going to get all this crap done for twenty grand. So you know, I, I everything think- he did was intentionally small. And this is the first time he'd kind of blown everything out. And I think that's the problem. Okay. I think he should have tried to be more economical with the film and not think about the budget. And I think he would have come up with a better film. And Kind of like what Michelle Gondry says. You know what? When you don't have money, you have to get more creative. So on the flip side for me, knowing knowing a little bit about the French New Wave and, and reading that, a lot of stuff clicked for me and how that works. That things aren't necessarily matching up and they're breaking the rules and you know what you normally watch in a movie isn't happening no it just didn't play that way for you or it didn't it didn't feel well executed in those ways correct um i think there's some brilliant moments that come out of that though (laughs) and we can talk about that when we get to like our best and worst moments later so let's jump to the cast okay let's start with ray liotta Okay. Playing Henry Hill. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't like him. Okay. Why don't you like him? You don't You don't like Ray Liotta. I'm not a Ray Liotta fan. Okay. I've never seen him in anything where I was like, oh, that guy's great, or he's great, he's good. Um, he is fine. He is not, he, okay, he plays the dirty side pretty good. Yeah. But uh, the charisma that these guys are talked about having, he doesn't have at all. I don't get charisma off of him at all. Hmm. And maybe that's just me. I know this was his heyday. This is what his most attractive looking time of his life because he does not look good now. <laughs> uh, sorry, Ray Liotta. Like, this is the movies. Looks matter. <laughs> I know I'm a horrible person. Just to be fair, every now and then, when my mom and I used to go to the movies and we'd see a film that looked stupid in the trailers, we'd go, eh, it's got attractive people, we'll go see it. <laughs> I mean, that's what we would say. Um, um, I, I just didn't get any charisma from him. Okay. And so I would have, I would have, I needed that smooth guy talking. Yeah, he's, I don't know. I I, 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 I understand he's more of a straight man to the other guys, because you've got, the other guys, you know... Robert De Niro's a beast, and then you've got Joe Pesci's character, so you need someone who's middle. But neither of those guys plays the suave, I can get any woman I want type of character, and I feel like Henry Hill needed some of that quality. See, I the thing was so so one of the other things that I guess we didn't we didn't get to is Scorsese is part of 
part of the side of this movie is he wanted he basically wanted to make the opposite of the Godfather. That's fine. The Godfather was this sort of it's this sort of operatic sweeping grand vision and this is this gets into the minutia and everyday life of a gangster. No, no, I don't think that's right at all. Cuz Godfather's really about that family and how this one guy took over an empire. Well, I'm thinking in terms of tone though. And that's and 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 the reason for that is Pelegi's book Wise Guy mm-hmm. is all about that. All of the stuff about Henry Hill is about the day to day boring details of what you had to do to be a gangster. Okay, well, and they do play on that a lot more in this movie. This film is not like being a gangster is all amazing. I mean, it's a very different film than Godfather. Yes, but that quality is still necessary. Yeah, um, in you know, one of your point guys. If you're going to have a guy who goes is going to sweet talk somebody into a deal and be nice and cordial, you need somebody who's got that charisma. And, and Ray Liotta doesn't have that in this film. Yeah, and I and I wonder, because I think they, they, until he starts getting dirty and grungy, mm-hmm. they play him as doe-eyed. Yeah. And at some point they should have stopped that. When he was, when they, when he was the teenager... Perfect. Even it's when fine. he, even when he was just starting out as mm-hmm. the adult version, yeah. Um, but it, he, he just he doesn't have any. There's no ladies' man quality to him, and you needed that. Let me pitch this out there. One of the things I read in his biography was that Henry Hill joined the army mm-hmm. in 1956, and during that time, he was running scams in the army. Mm-hmm. He was still connected to the mob. Then once he got out, that's when we see him in like 1960 when he when we see Ray Liotta for the first time as the as the character Young. I almost wonder if that part of that story would have helped give that transition. Maybe seeing him but, in the army and learning those robes. But it's that element. It's just yeah. It, it you know it's funny like it's that quote like what my brother has where he can just <laughs> kind of like. He can just he can make we never, he, we he, never, he disarms you with humor, and he's my brother's just a charismatic guy, and it's just you know it's just not. We never saw the transition from the thirteen year old kid to Correct. the the there's, hustler. There's a missing link. Yeah, De Niro. He's awesome. He really is. This is. This is not his best performance. Okay. And I say that because the other two movies with Scorsese are are even better. That being said, this is like a second wave of amazing in his career. This is... This is right before he jumps into the comedy stuff. This is the De Niro that I've I've seen the most. Which is great. He's amazing. I I just saw him in The Intern. With the movie with Anne Hathaway, yeah, the retired guy, and he's great, and he's not this guy at all. But it's just, uh, this is awesome. He's great. Yeah, I have no complaints. This is this is part of just the peak of his career. This is what he does, and he does it well. Um, he's he's totally absorbed in the character. Yes. No matter where the mood is, either he's happy or he's paranoid. I, Slowly descending into paranoia and so, and fear. So I read some of the trivia for for this, and he hated the feeling of fake money. <laughs> so he required that he had real twenty dollar bills that he was giving out on set, and so apparently the prop master would give him five thousand dollars, and nobody was allowed to leave until they got all five thousand dollars back. Yep, which is great. But I just I love. I love that, that he was just so particular about it. It's very interesting because I feel like he and Joe Pesci and a lot of the guys in this movie are, I would, I would probably say Paul Sorvino jumps into this too. These are the last of a certain breed of actor coming mm-hmm. out of the, um, the actor studio mm-hmm. and the Lee Strasberg school that just... I, Strasberg is kind of a pain in the butt for mm-hmm. actors, but my God, he got results on the screen. True. And it shows with these guys because mm-hmm. they are part of that school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So we, we go from De Niro. Now, De Niro did, did get nominated for an Oscar that year. Not for this movie. He got nominated for Awakenings, um. which is um, that's uh, from Oliver Sacks. 
It's the story of Oliver Sacks um, dealing with certain patients in a mental institution. Robin Williams was in it as well. Uh, uh, it's apparently a very amazing story. People were basically para- catatonic, and they found a drug that woke them up, and then it's dealing with all these patients suddenly being awake again in the universe. Weird. Yeah. So he got nominated for that instead, and okay. I think that was a much more transformative role than this was. Probably. But he's just pitch perfect in doing he's this. He's great. Joe Pesci. It's annoying as fuck, but that's what he's supposed to be, and he does it really well. Um, this is Joe Pesci giving the best performance of his career, and rightfully so. He got an Oscar for it. No, his best performance is in Home Alone. Well, and I will Home say, Alone too. and I will say, maybe not even his best because I think he's even better in Raging Bull. I don't know. Um, this he's he, great. Yeah, the thing about Joe Pesci is he he got pegged for comedies because of the voice, because of the stature, yes. and different things like that. And bread and butter, that's how he's made his, his living. What people, if you don't see this movie and some of the other movies you he's done... You think he's a one-trick pony. And you realize, holy crap, this guy has so much talent. He has more range. No, he was great. Um, he annoyed the shit out of me, but that's what his character was supposed to do. So job well done. Here's your, here's your statue. Um... <laughs> He ad-libbed a good mm-hmm. ton of those lines. And they talk about that, that they they rewrote the script constantly on set, that they would go in and improvise. I love that. This is not the type of film that you improvise on. So... I, I, I get that, and I understand, like, all of the dinner scenes, a lot of that was improvised. Some of that's fine. I don't... I don't yeah. But I... This is a film that needed to be tighter. Well, let me let me put it this way. The things that Joe Pesci improvised mm-hmm. are the things that last from this movie. No, I get all that. The do I amuse you line, which is in in AFI's top 100 mm-hmm. quotes of all time, built out of improvisation. Now, the one thing that they did do was, unlike, you know, something like a Talladega Nights or mm-hmm. something like that, they improvised in rehearsals. Yeah, and, then and then Scorsese would take that and rewrite the script to make those lines work. So it wasn't like they were just flying blind. Um, but they, you know, he most of the stuff that he improvised was put in there. Um, you know, he's just incredible in this movie for me. No, he is. I 100% agree. Um, cut to the two other real main actors. Lorraine Bracco is Karen. She's great. What else has she been in? Sopranos. Okay, because I recognize her. I recognize her voice first. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've never seen Sopranos. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but we've never actually watched the show. David Chase said that Goodfellas was his Quran. Like <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Basically, The Sopranos was completely built off of this movie, and in fact, tons of the uh, actors yeah, in this movie. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that actor, only really young, with hair that's colored. <laughs> yeah, tons of tons yeah. of the bit players from this show went on to Wait. Um, The Sopranos. Like, mm-hmm. there were ten different people. For some, I feel like, is she the mom in Flight of the Navigator? She might be. I, I have no idea. That's. I think that's where the voice is getting to me. She's the but mom she was in, in something, babe. She was in Basketball Diaries. Ah. Um, I'm trying to go back to some of these. We're looking. IMDb's fun, y'all. She was in Hackers. Uh huh. Yeah, she's yeah, she's been the mom in a couple things. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. I haven't seen that. Radio Flyer. No. She was in Sea of Love with Al Pacino. Uh, Riding in Cars with Boys. Yeah. Okay. She's just played the mom in a lot of movies that I've seen. Okay. So yeah, her voice. Um, I recognize that first. So, um. I don't know. I felt like at some point it's almost like they made her too too overly emotional in certain scenes. Um they play melodrama at some weird moments. And I don't know that well, that's her so much as it's just the way the scenes were. So working. in the beginning I kind of understood it because she didn't realize what she was marrying into and that's a shock and then later she's kind of like Distraught because her husband is in prison, so I understand the freaking out. It's but, a, but then it, she's a cokehead a little bit. It's but kind like, of the middle they, part. Yeah, it's where it gets weird. It's strange. Now, like, where I do love her is her voiceovers. 
Yeah, her voiceovers were pretty good. They, they they mix in her voiceovers into certain scenes, and it works really well. I don't know. She's she's a little all over her, the place. Her character is a little uneven. In the beginning, she's great. The beginning segment, she's perfect because I liked how she was like, "How dare you stand me up!" La 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 la. Like I like that. Tough. She she. she tough she, Jewish broad standing tough, up to broad. half Irish, half Sicilian guy. <laughs> Yeah, I just wish, you know, she yeah. could have used a little bit more. And the last one that we can talk about is Paul Sorvino as Paul Cicero, the mob boss. I always forget who that guy is until I see him. Mayor Sorvino's dad? Yes. Um, I mean, he's, 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 he's a good Italian mob boss. He's got that same quality that James Gandolfini had. So an interesting note for him, he, um, he had such trouble playing the cold distance of that character he's like i am a warm loving person Mm -hmm. so the only thing that i could draw on was thinking of people hurting my family that's the only time that Mm -hmm. he gets that cold and willing to act against things i thought that plays so perfectly because that is his family Mm -hmm. his mom that makes total sense no he does great um he doesn't have a ton of meat but he did great he did good and then there's a ton of, you know, secondary actors. You saw Kevin Corrigan as, as the as Henry's brother, brother. Henry's brother. I was like, hey, that guy who's in everything. Uh, Michael Imperioli, mm-hmm. who's been in like everything, especially has, a has bit, to do with a gangster. He's in it, but has a bit role. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson has a <laughs> little cameo in. He does not say badass motherfucker in no, this film. No, he. This was before his Quentin Tarantino stint, and. Maybe the best of all oh, is yeah. Catherine Scorsese. No, you forgot Debbie Mazur. Okay. As Sandy. Mm-hmm. Henry's girlfriend who mixes coke with stuff. Yeah. But no, no, no. She's I'm sorry. So young. But I'm sorry. The best is Catherine Scorsese as Tommy's mom. Okay. I love the interaction between Tommy and his mom. Like, I love how they're go- they go to her house to get a shovel and then they have to have, like, this five-course dinner with her. Please stay. Please, Please stay. stay. Mom, don't paint any more religious paintings. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love, like... like I've, All of that was improvised. I just love I've that been, Marty Scorsese's mom is game. She's just game. And his, cool. dad, his dad's in there, too. Yep. Um... It's very that stuff is funny because everything I've ever seen of a Jewish mom, or not Jewish Italian mom or Jewish mom because there there's a lot of overlap there, <laughs> is, is like that and it's just so funny and I like those little one offs. Those those are crazy. Oh my gosh, he looks exactly like his dad. He really does. Um, David just showed me a picture of Martin Scorsese's dad, Charles Scorsese. Charles Scorsese. Um, or uh, I love as in singles, Martin. He's the new. He's the next Martin Scorsese. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so those are that's the whole cast. Mm-hmm. We can touch on the editing that we got into it. So you don't like the editing at all, no. or is it that it works at moments it doesn't? It works at, at moments. It doesn't work everywhere. I feel like it's just it's it's sloppy. Like honestly, the best scene in the whole movie mm-hmm. is one without any cuts. Which scene is that? Well, it's not the best scene in the whole movie, but one of the best is the scene where they walk into the Copacabana. Hmm. Where he walks through the back in the kitchen. Oh, the back the kitchen. And it's one long yeah. shot with a song. See, okay, the thing I liked about that scene was that was his, I'm going to show this lady a good time. Like, I'm going to show her how amazing I am. So you want to hear the fun part about that? That was on accident. The Copa would not let them go through the front. Mm-hmm. They had to go through the back. And okay. so he made the best of it mm-hmm. by saying, but this is a proxy for not only him showing off to her what he's able to do, mm-hmm. but then also this movement into the full new gangster life for Henry. Mm-hmm. Like it plays on it's so many the, levels. The level for, no, no, that is a great scene. I th- that is probably the best scene. I think I love the moment was not only just going through the back of the restaurant, but it's when they get into the meat of the restaurant and these guys are putting down a whole table for them. Yep. Like they specifically made space and it's not a big table with eight people. It's a table for two. Yep. Right at the front. Right in the front in the center. And I, I thought like, damn, like, yeah, that'd be hard to say no to. Took you got to put out on that night. <laughs> took him eight tries to get that scene. Oh, I believe it. Of yeah. course. 
Um, that's the type of stuff that Birdman was trying to accomplish, you know, nonstop. And they did this here with, you know, those aren't handheld cameras. No. Uh, so, I, it's more impressive, is what I'm saying. Um, before we jump into it, what did you think about the ending? trying to remember what the ending scene is the ending scene is because it's really quick it, if it is abrupt but it the ending scene is we see him on the front lawn in suburbia oh yeah in and witness protection and then the last thing you see is tommy with a gun shooting at the camera hmm. and then credit and then um back to back to henry hill and then we've got sid vicious singing my way tommy or do you mean jimmy no tommy so it, you might have you might have just missed Did I it. Miss this? You might have, but right at the end, right before the end of the movie happens, and I'll show you the picture from it. Uh -huh. Um, you get a picture of Tommy with a gun and a couple of flashes oh, as he shoots. Oh yes, okay, yes. I was probably like thinking that was previous. Um, I don't like that he was talking to the camera at that point. Yeah, I felt like... It's too cheesy, because we have this voiceover, which is great, and works great. And I feel... I like that they showed us what he looked... What his life... I like that they showed us where he was living. They should have actually showed us seeing him go to work. Go, uh, having dinner with his family. Like, actually had that happening over the voiceover. And then maybe it's him just slumping into a chair at the end of the day and kicking his feet up, and that's how you end it. Like, how shitty is my life now, and how amazing it was before. Yeah. Like, that would have been more effective. Because clearly I've forgotten what the ending was because it was bad. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It just had no it had no lasting effect on me. You know, so I, that's a problem. Here's, we watched this yesterday. But here's what I think about it. I think this movie is a roller coaster. And all of the buildup into the heist and everything is, like, going up the hill to the roller coaster. And then, like, the whole second and third act of the movie is just this wild ride. The problem is that as we get to the end, it what I think is he could, he could have talked directly to the camera in that courtroom scene. But he needed to slow down. Yeah. We needed to slow down just as we hit the they end. They should have slowed down and had more action going on in the courtroom as though he wasn't talking to the camera yeah. with that pretend thing that would have been okay but that should have been the only time he talked to the camera and then you know the the shooting the shooting scene right there with tommy mm -hmm. the whole point of course is that you're never going to be able to escape these guys you're always going to be looking behind your back for the rest of you, your life the, yeah i i like there should have been a little bit more maybe a scene of him being paranoid that someone's following him in his new life or something to the effect because i do like that would have been a better callback to the whole thing where he says you know when they when they put a hit out on you they never tell you they're gonna kill you yeah it just happens. God, that's so like, good. Yeah, that's a great line. That's a great explanation of like, you know, it's your friends who kill you. Um, like, that would be scary. And I would understand that that's the fear he has to live with the rest of his life. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't give us enough time to slow down and absorb everything we've just gone through. <laughs> and see, okay, so I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking of his most recent mobster movie that I love. Which is The Departed. The Departed. That is a movie that was full on three hours long. We, we went and saw it and we left and was like, oh my God, that was three hours. I mean, it didn't feel like three hours. That was amazing. And that was a more nuanced story, way more complicated, and that was tight. Yeah. That was perfect. Even the end is like nuts, but you believe it, you buy it. Similar thing here. I love The Departed. I don't want to spoil anything. So if you like this, go see The Departed if you haven't <laughs> seen it. Like, it's amazing. If you like this, if you like gangster movies, you will love The Departed. Okay, I've, I've spoken with peace about that. <laughs> the other cool thing I like is they talk about the freeze frames um, are supposed to be turning points for Henry. Yeah, Each that's... of those freeze frames are supposed to be actual, like, oh, this is a big moment. No, I get that. And then we move forward. That makes sense. Um, okay. What was your favorite moment or scene or thing about the movie? I think my favorite moment is when Joe Pesci's character says, Mom, don't paint any more religious stuff. <laughs> and the dog painting. Oh, the dog painting so much fun. Because it, okay. That yeah, there's like... one dog going this way, another dog that's, going the other way. That sounds like the type of thing I would say to my parents. <laughs> 
I, in fact, I think I've actually said, stop buying crap, mom. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Because um, that just made me laugh really hard. The, what's the worst thing in the movie? Well, let, let me do, let me do okay, my favorite What's thing. your favorite thing? Well, I think about what my worst thing is. The cocaine scene. Which cocaine scene? The the when we hit nineteen eighty mm-hmm. and the day, the last day he's a he's a wise guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, oh, it's so yeah. freaking good when he's like, okay, I had my whole day planned out. I gotta get the jun- the guns to Mikey. Then I gotta go pick yeah, up my I brother do this and, I and, do that. and all this stuff. And he's so high, he's so out of his fucking mind. His wife is completely out of her fucking mm-hmm. mind. They are losing it. And the whole thing is there's this helicopter following them. Mm-hmm. The thing I found out was he was being wiretapped. What's crazy about that scene is, you know, he's completely paranoid that people mm-hmm. are following him. And it turns out he was right. Yeah. That's what's insane. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Um, but just how that, that, that frenetic pace that he yeah. talks about clicks perfectly in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my favorite part of the whole movie when he's just desperately trying to figure out what the hell to do next because everything is going wrong until he finally gets busted and as soon as they sit him and as soon as the gun gets pointed at him everything stops all the air gets sucked out of the room like i I, that's my favorite sequence in the whole movie Hmm. okay what is the worst thing about the movie for you The editing is the worst thing for me. I don't think there was any... There wasn't one particular scene that I hated, or there wasn't an actor who I thought was horrible. It was just the editing and pace of it. Yeah, that just bugs me. Which is... And it's interesting because, you know, this was... He edited this with Thelma Schoonmaker, who he did every movie with. He's always used the same editor. So... It just it didn't click right. Yeah, for you. I I think his vision was not properly fully formed when he when he did that. Yeah. Like I get it, but see, like I'm I know I'm comparing it to The Departed, which is like super tight. Like that's that's like he's graduated. You've gotten better. Good job. <laughs> so like that's fine. It's just so weird to me to think about he's graduated, but yeah, I mean you are right. I. I, I think I, I would totally agree with you on that. Um, I get some... I feel like it's uneven when it works and when it doesn't. That's that's for me the bigger issue there. Is I feel that's like the, the style works, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it's not always consistently good. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one thing he didn't... The one thing that he didn't get in the editing room was he didn't get the pace right. Yeah. He didn't know when he didn't know when to slow down. He just kept moving it mm-hmm. as fast as he possibly could. And there were certain moments when we were like, well, we could let this one linger a little bit before we go hyper fast on the next part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's the only uneven part of there. Okay. Now let's talk about this before we get into our star ratings. Okay. This movie mm-hmm. was a Best Picture nominee okay. in 1991. Cool. It lost. Here are the movies it was up against. Okay. The Godfather, part three. Widely panned. Yeah. Generally considered, we've never watched it, and I do need to watch it at some point. Okay. Um, I've never seen it either. From what most people say, it's just like, it's a movie. It's like they kept trying, and they should have stopped. Well, it's just more like Coppola made two genius films. The sequel's even better than the original. Yeah. And that's saying something, because the original is good. It is. And the third one, for most people, is just like, it's a movie. Like, it's not bad, but it's a movie. Hmm. Ghost, which I've never seen. <gasps> okay, gotta add that one. Um, oh, and for which... Whoopi got her Oscar. And for which Whoopi, Whoopi got, got her Oscar. Whoopi got an Oscar. Um, Awakenings, which we talked about a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we talked about Awakenings. And then the movie that won that year was Dances with Wolves. Barf! My mother loved that movie. That was a movie we had on VHS that I was not allowed to watch. I've seen part of that movie. Was and it that or was it da- Last of the Mohicans? It was one of those. Was it Daniel Day-Lewis or Kevin Costner? I don't know. Kevin I... Costner directed Dances with Wolves. I know. I think it was Dances with Wolves. Okay. I, I've seen part of Dances with Wolves. I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. You're correct. 
and totally patronizing of Native Americans. It's another movie possible. where Kevin Costner's on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate Kevin Costner on a horse. Well, it's the original. The po- I don't know. The Postman's pretty, pretty worse than that. And man, I like Waterworld. That's saying something. I know! I do too! And everyone says that movie is shit! Everybody likes Waterworld. People have come to realize that they don't hate that movie. It's because it did so badly. Yeah, they thought it was, they thought they could like do a franchise or something out of it, and it cost so much money. That cost, was the big thing. It cost $100 million to make, and it made none of it back. Because people didn't buy the premise at all. See, I think it's cool. I, they need to redo Waterworld. It's a good movie, guys. If you've never seen it, seriously, go sit and watch it. Tina Margarino, Dennis Hopper's in keep, it. Keep your keep your Robin keep your mind. Williams is in it. All those people are dead. Just keep your keep Tina's your not. keep your mind open for it. That's all. Because I mean, you're gonna go in with preconceived notions. Just don't. Just be Do like, this is a fun action movie. I'm sorry, I keep remembering people who's in the movie. And yes, I saw that one in the theater with my dad. Although, yes, he does drink his own pee. It does happen. I didn't need to be reminded of that information. <laughs> Why? Why uh, did you tell me that? So, out of those movies, do you think Goodfellas deserved a best picture? Because we're going to ask this on every Scorsese movie. This happened frequently. Okay, let's say that... Okay, Dances with Wolves, I don't like that movie. I think it's stupid, but I get why people like it. And I understand why I was nominated. Yeah, I, do. I don't. I do. I don't. Uh, no. Out of those five movies... Considering we haven't seen two of them. Okay. I'm going to guess that it really should have been between Awakenings and Goodfellas. Okay. Good. Here's the thing. No matter who you choose to win, Goodfellas was in number two's plot. Yeah, if I can see that. If it's not number one, it's number two. It was something or Goodfellas. That was the choice. Now, Scorsese would have been up for like an empathy Oscar for years and years and years. He and if been. he and if he was gonna get the empathy Oscar, he should have gotten it for the Aviator. They gave it to him for The Departed, and it was earned. Yeah, he in, won. In our and that year, I remember he. Yep, it's his. I love. The, I think it was. It was both at the same time, which was great. I can't remember what year it was. I don't remember what he was up for. I think it was the Aviator year. Yeah. It was the year John Stewart hosted. Uh-huh. And that was the year... Three Six Mafia. And John Stewart comes out and goes, just so everybody's clear, three, Martin Scorsese Oscars, zero. Three Six Mafia Oscars, one. And then he left the stage. And Marty was just laughing. <laughs> oh, because he knows. He knows I'm the laughing stock of the Academy. But you know what? You want to be the person in that room that everyone believes you deserve an Oscar than to be the person in that room that everyone thinks shouldn't. I'm talking to you, Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve your Oscar. We'll talk about that when we get to our uh, our Oscar stuff. <sighs> there's there's like a year, a couple years where there it was just makeup Oscar after makeup Oscar where I was like nobody won who should have won. What the f- <laughs> when I'm talking about the actresses, I'm like what the fuck is wrong with you people? It's sad because I really like Shakespeare in Love. It is a great movie. How did that win over Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, I know. I haven't even seen Saving Private Ryan, and I know it's a better movie. Just give it best original screenplay to Tom Stoppard, because he's a fucking genius, and let's move on with our lives. Oh, yeah. That's a Tom Stoppard. I don't know. It's a mystery. It's it's a great movie. Jeffrey Rush is the fucking shit in that movie. You need to see him in Quills. I've seen Quills. You have? Yes. That movie is fucked up, but it's awesome. It's amazing. It's an awesome movie with Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush is genius. Have you ever seen Shine? Yes. That's also brilliant. That's, that was is his, that what he won? Or did he get nominated for that one? First? He got nominated, but that was also like his first big break overseas. Yes, that was the one that he became more of a household name. That's when Americans started to know who the hell he was. Yes. Okay. Lots to talk about with this movie. Mm-hmm. We've gotten here. Yes. What is my rating? What's your stars? Okay, well, it's your movie, so you have to rate it first. I'm going to give it four. Okay. I'm not going to go five. Okay. It is the, you know... I, I wouldn't have gone five to begin with, and now with you talking about it, I think it's very, very hard to go that far with it. So you were like a four or five, and I made you get to a four? I was on a, f- I, I was on a four the whole time, okay. but you've solidified it hardcore, okay. with, because it is uneven. It is, okay. it, I didn't notice that the first time I saw it. I was in for the ride, and then this time around, I was like, yeah, and there's some cracks in this foundation. Okay. However, I will also posit, and I totally agree with what they say, 
some there's there are lots of people who say this is a better mob movie than The Godfather. Not that The Godfather is a isn't a better movie, but this as a mob movie is better because this, this is about the business. This is about what it would Godfather's actually Godfather's about the family. It's about the family and it's also I mean, The Godfather's about America. The Godfather's no, about uh, yeah. no, no, big I, I get that. epic themes. Whereas this movie is literally about the mob. And what it's like to yeah. be in the mob. Um, and this movie, above all, you know, people people love The Godfather, but they don't inform anything they do about the mob with it. True. Nothing that's been made about the mob since Goodfellas has ever been based off The Godfather and its vision. Everything's been influenced by Goodfellas, including The Sopranos. And everything since then has taken from this movie and from Henry Hill's story it was part no, of No, and that makes total sense. Um and because it's the, it's one of the only times we've ever gotten a view into that life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um because he he was willing to rat out those guys. Yeah. Um it's worth it for De Niro and Pesci. Yeah. Just to see their per- I mean, if nothing else just to see their performances, uh, you know, the everybody talks about the scene, the scene where he's joking with Henry Hill. But my God, the scene with Spider, where he shoots him, oh, that's that to me is the bigger indicator of his character. You're but yeah, I'll give it a four stars. And obviously, you should go out and see this movie. Because we ruined everything for you. <laughs> no, we ruined everything. There's lots of good stuff in there that that we didn't talk yeah. about. Okay, I'm I'm probably a three five. Okay, uh, it's good. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, uh, it's, you know, uh, source material for future things that I love. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Blade Runner. I, I really liked it. it. I like seeing where other people got inspiration and back and forth. Um, again, I loved The Departed movie, so it's kind of nice to see this is where he started in terms of the gangster thing. Um, in a new phase of his career, I think. Like, everything up until then had been much smaller, intimate yeah. character studies. And this is the first time he got into the big blowout the epic big thing. thing. So mm-hmm. this is the first time he did that. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot to talk about. There's so much in this movie. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a big deal. So, next week. Uh-huh. Next time. Uh, we're doing Scream. Wes Craven's Scream. I don't, I don't, I don't have a good explanation for you guys. You're gonna have to come up with one between now and when we watch it. Yeah, I know. What What do I need to prepare myself for? To be scared. Uh, a lot of genre commentary. Yeah. Uh, but that was the whole point. Uh, this was Wes Craven's. Like, I'm gonna do a horror film that talks about horror films. Yeah. It was good. I love this film. It's great. I haven't ever seen enough of the like slasher films mm-hmm. that was that Wes Craven was so big for. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a feel for the genre at all, which I think is going to be interesting. <laughs> that will be because I haven't seen a ton. I mean, like a lot of the Freddy Krueger stuff they played on TV. So when I ended up seeing it, yeah, because that's the one thing on TV. Well, I mean, that's him, and then you know so. I had yeah, and then I had my my friend in elementary school was obsessed with horror films, so. That's all I had to watch, which was not great with sleepovers, because I would get nightmares. <laughs> it's not good. All right. Cool. Good times. It's going to be super 90s next time, guys. Woohoo! All right, so this weekend in theaters, we saw Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. Ooh. So, didn't didn't time out to see this right after we saw Blade Runner. No. But, general impressions? It was good. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to have seen the first one to enjoy this one. No. Um, they do a pretty good job of telling you not so much what happened in the first one, but like what the deal is. They set they set up their their new universe. Yes. That they're and, and and not that there's not continuity, but they've set up the where we are now. Correct. Um You know, going through the cast, the the big names 
and the the recognizable names are Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, Ryan Gosling as K as mm-hmm. our lead. Who can I just say one of the better performances I've seen from him? That sort of. Uh, the only reason you would think that is because his lack of acting is an asset to his character. But he actually has some good acting moments, I think. He feel. has some moments, but... You're not buying it? No. Okay. No, he's he's really pretty. Let's talk about the guy we were extremely surprised by, which is Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista, who you will be familiar with from the Guardians of the Galaxy, he plays Drax, the bald guy who's covered in those red, not really tattoos. And whose entire worldview is literal. Yes. Which leads to plenty of jokes. In this world, he plays a, I mean, he appears like he does in real life, and he's awesome. Nuanced. I was like, this guy's a good actor. Yeah, he's he's interesting. He's I really like his voice, and he's gotten to do some different things with that type of physique coming from the WWE world. Oh, he was MMA. Oh, but. MMA. Sorry, uh, no disrespect, but um, you wouldn't, you don't expect that. No, especially from a guy. I mean, you know, WWE. I can see that with like The Rock. There's a charisma and acting element to it. With MMA. There's no talent, man. Yeah. And they bring those people in all the time, but he's got it. And so I'd be, I'd be really interested to see him in just, like, plain acting roles. Yes. Um, Robin Wright, who's fantastic for the time she's on screen. She plays uh, Kay's boss, Ryan Gosling's boss. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I love with her, they did not try to, like, sex her up at all. I, I really like that. I'll she, take it. Yeah, she's... she's She's no nonsense. She's a boss, and she's there to do what she's got to do. She's great. Um, and then a lot of under people. A uh, couple of the more important are Edward James. Almost he has shows a up again. Cameo. Um, good to show up as Gaff. Jared Leto as Neander Wallace. He plays the dude who is in charge of the new company that's making robots. Yeah, or replicants. Um, and blind. And apparently did a lot of work with He's the, not blind. He is, actually. He's supposed to be. Whatever. They don't explain any of that very well. No, they don't. Um, um, and then Ana de Aramas, who plays uh, Joy, yeah. who is a... I don't want to explain what she is. She's interesting. You like her. She was great in this movie. There were lots of, there were lots of great performances. Um, a lot of European actors, which makes sense coming from the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of kind of fresh faces in some ways. Some recognizable, some fresh, lots of good stuff there. Um, but really we get to the director, Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. who... Has uh, his, his most recent film that you would have seen was Arrival. Mm-hmm. We saw it. We really liked it. It's not typically a film that I enjoy, but I really liked it. Has it a was- very specific point of view, and he manages to make that work for this movie. Uh, funny enough, the at the Alamo draft office, if you've never been there, the 30 minutes before showtime, they show they have a pre-show that they have created to go with the movie. And when we walked in, they were playing this thing that was Villeneuve through the glass. And it's clips from all of his movies. But what I really didn't get is that he loves to shoot scenes with people through looking through a window, yeah. be it a car, a building, whatever. And it was really funny because it's like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of this movie and Arrival and the clips from the other films that I haven't seen. So that's pretty cool. But it's um, kind of funny. He, he brings a vision to this movie that was absolutely necessary to make it work. I mean, I think yes. the original had a, such a specific vision to it, and it's... It, and he took that and made it a thousand times more awesome without shitting on the old one exactly. at all. Like he just he just expand he just took that world and made it thirty years later. And rightfully created an entirely new world yes, out of it. Yes, and created new pieces, um, while with plenty of callbacks to the old one. It's he did a really great job. This is gonna be a lot of um, technical award Oscar bait. Yeah. Which is well-deserved nominations. We're about to get into crazy Oscar season, so this one, I'm definitely, it's going to be on the top of a lot of lists. It's a little reminiscent of Mad Max and the nominations it got a couple years back. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's going to get a bunch of those types of nominations involved. Um, For sure. And then, um, you know, the the writing, 
the story is just paced really well. It's a thousand times better than the first one. I think I'm going to hear that from a lot of people. If they weren't super... Captivated or into yeah, that first Yeah, into the movie. first one, they're going to be, this one is awesome. Yeah. And it, and it stands on its own. Um, funny enough, there was some trivia there I thought was funny, was they talked to Hampton Fancher, the original screenwriter, mm-hmm. and said, would you write this? And he wrote a novella script. Mm-hmm just a hundred or so pages, and then said, don't ever talk to me again. Hmm. <laughs> he didn't want nothing else to do with it. That's fair. So he got screenplay credit for that, for coming up with that giant vision of the story. Well, because he created the story. Um, and it, it it plays so well. It's good. Um, and there are plenty of nods to the old one. Um, funny and subtle, but not they're no, they don't rely on it at all, which is good. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's a treat for people who are in love with the original, and I think it stands alone perfectly well for anybody who is coming to it brand new. Because, uh, like, I'm only, like, I saw the other one, like, two months ago. Yeah. So I'm still pretty new to this. So, let's talk star ratings. I'm going to go 3.5. Okay. It was great. It deserves a lot of accolades, with the exception of some performances, because, I'm sorry, Ryan Gosling, you're pretty. That's the beginning it. and end of that. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it again. Like, I don't care if we own it. I don't want to watch it again. It's not going in, like, best movies of my life. Probably one of the, It's going to be in our one of our top movies of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 3-5. I'd, I'd go with the same. And the point that you bring up especially is the watchable thing. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it's, it stands alone as a great cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's not like the original where I feel like I'm, I'm not going to watch the original all the time. But it is something I'm going to show to like. Want to rewatch? I want to rewatch with people at some point. Um, and then one other thing I do I would bring up: there are three prequel movies out there, and they've all come out. I don't know if I think oh, some the of them are shorts. They're shorts. I think some of them are Netflix. One was directed um, by the guy who did Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo. It's an anime okay. performance. Um, and it's got a lot of the old actors. And then there's two others done by a guy who did viral marketing stuff for Alien Covenant. So okay. he's done something similar with this. Um, but they give some context of some of the characters and how they progress through those 30 years. And so there's some okay. interim there's some interim performances there. So if you go to IMDb and look down and scroll down, they always have you know prequel made or whatever. They've got mm-hmm. those three movies in a row right there. So you can go look those up. And I'm not sure where they're streaming, but they've done a whole lot of digging for the people who really are invested in that universe as well. So good stuff. And now we just October's a little a little quieter. It's a weird time of the year because it's it's. It's Halloween season for sure. That's when all of a lot of the new movie slots um, get uh, get uh, eaten up by by the horror films and you know things like it, which was great. Um, but they haven't. They don't start releasing like the mega Oscar bait movies yet. Like the oh, we want this one up for best actor, best director, best film. A lot of dark horse stuff coins up coming out in October. Yeah, and then November we start to see, especially around Thanksgiving, because that's when people tend to go to the movies a lot. Um, you can see that last it, last run of blockbusters and stuff. Yeah, and Christmas. So. S- and so just scrolling through, um, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, I, I don't know. I don't want to pay real money for it, but I'm curious, and I people, I think people are going to talk about it. And especially since we had Wonder Woman earlier in the year, it'll be interesting. Um, Jackie Chan and the Foreigner, which looks really interesting. It's a, it's a revenge movie set in Northern Ireland. Oh, okay. So. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about that one. We saw a trailer for Happy Death Day, which looks like a Groundhog Day meets a horror flick. Like horror film, which is like intriguing. And we're not horror movie people at all, so. Horror movies have, have once again become that place where new directors get to try interesting stuff out. Oh, for sure. And when those pop up, they're kind of fun to watch. I don't know. Maybe since we just saw It and I just made you watch Scream the other day, it's, we're kind of in a like, all right, let's. Let's let's look a little more at this. Um, it's okay. You got some obvious Oscar bait with Marshall for Thurgood Marshall, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I don't um, know if I want to see that one. There's the Snowman, which is like a Danish detective murder thing with, uh, oh gosh, what's his stinking name? The guy from Alien. 
British actor, 12 Years a Slave. I'll have to remember. Michael Fassbender! There you go. Took me a minute. Um, I saw a tra- trailer for Tragedy Girls, and then really we pick back up again with Suburbicon, which uh, is coming Suburbicon. later this month. That one, I okay, that, that one's starring Matt Damon, and it's directed by George Clooney, and George Clooney is an amazing director. It, he, got, he got robbed with Good Night and Good Luck, let's agree. just be clear. Um, I, I wish the Coen brothers had directed this instead of Clooney. The Coen brothers wrote it. I think that's why I might like that movie better. You might. We'll uh, have to wait and see. I think the trailer's not giving us anything. I agree. And I, so, think, um, I think we have a bad trailer because would, there was something recently that we were like, oh, that's a better trailer. Now I want to see that. Oh, there's three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. we, we got in, we, When we went to see Blade Runner, they played us the Red Band trailer, which is, includes a ton of cursing. You and, know what? It makes the movie look better. Yeah. Well, it's Martin McDonough. Yeah, play playwrights abound, but <laughs> yeah, that it just it, the movie looks better with all the cursing. It just does. It's got more intensity. It just happens with those trailers that sometimes you don't get the right picture of the movie. Yeah, and you just need that in there. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a weird time, but as we hit November, it's gonna get insane. Like just just starting to look at it now. So good times. We're gonna yep. enjoy it. I'm keeping the seats warm. For now, check out Blade Runner. It's well worth your time. Yeah. Beautiful movie. All right, see you guys next time. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.